All right, let us, we are going to continue with the topic we were talking about last week, which is ranting, but we're going to go to the Shulchan Aruch, and we're going to try to go through the rest of the, the rest, I'm sorry, the rest of these topics a little bit quickly, because it's going to get uh, repetitive very soon, and I want to start a new topic, uh, you know, after Amir Lakam, I want to move uh, somewhere else. Is it the uh, same sheet? So it's the same sheet, yeah, I'll post it in the chat. Um, That's WhatsApp. But I, there's a there's a request to do it in the Zoom chat. I'll do it in the Zoom chat because it's easier. Um, oh, what am I doing? No, that was stupid. Sorry. Control C. Okay, it's in the it's in the Zoom chat. It should work. Okay. All right. Now let us. So we're gonna start. So so we were talking last time. We 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 mentioned. This generic halacha, right? That you're not allowed to hire somebody or rent out your property to a non-Jew on Shabbos because there's a concern of what's called marasai. So let's read the Shulchan Aruch inside, and then we'll we'll look into this a little bit deeper. cannot rent out his bathhouse to a non-Jew, his banya to to a non-Jew, because it's known by his name, meaning people identify the Merchaz, the Banya, with, with him. I'm sorry. I, I, I forgot that only only Vlad, and maybe Helmut. Those are the Banya is. Banya? Banya is, it's a Russian, it's a Russian word, but it, it basically means like a bathhouse. Um, and it's it's an incredibly important institution in any Russian community. <laughs> uh, which, unfortunately, I'm sure there is one around here, but I have not yet been introduced. Although I, I hear that the one in the Jewish community in Chicago, I learned from I heard, I heard from my Dafyomi uh, Chavrusa. He's a Russian Jew in Chicago. He tells me that there's one corner where they allow Americans, but everywhere else it's only for Russian Jews and anybody with a STEM degree. Um, okay, so you can rent out your your bathhouse to a non-Jew if they should and the non-Jew is the one who's going to be doing work on Shabbos there. Why? <laughs> right? That a, a, a sharecropper is somebody who works in order to get a portion of the profits of it. So he says, so what's the problem with hiring a non-Jew? The problem with hiring a non-Jew is that it wasn't a common practice to rent out your, your, your bathhouse, right, for someone to, you know, kind of to, he'll work it and, you, and, and he'll take a share of the profits, you'll take a share of the profits, or to rent it out for you to get a steady paycheck, and for him to benefit from it. This was not common. So therefore, when people see a non-Jew working in a Jew's bathhouse, they're going to assume that he's an employee. And since he's an employee, right, you're not allowed to, you know, not, you are not allowed to hire a day laborer to work in your things on shops. Avo saw them mutter, but to but to to lease him or to do an arisus in the field, it's permissible. Because this was the accepted practice for people to get a field, you know, by sharecropping. This was something that was normal. 
the Afal Pisha Yadim Shusha Yisrael, even though they know it belongs to a Jew, Oymrim Ha'akum Lakok Ba'arisos Falatzmahu Oyved, Vitanoi Dine Kemerachat Ferechayim Dine Kesada, and an oven has the same law as a bathhouse and a uh, kind of uh, mill, a mill, a millstones or mill has the same laws as a field, meaning that during the times of the Talmud, right, and later times, presumably this was standard practice, that it was very normal to let your whim, your mill to be used by people are they able to give you a share of the profits? And it was not common practice to let your oven be used by anybody and only by a uh, employee. Okay, Rama. Even so, this so what he's saying is that, yeah, that that is permissible, even if the non-Jew rented your your field or rented your whatever in order to get a third or a fourth from it, meaning that you were doing a profit-sharing scheme. So even though the Jew is benefiting from the work that the non-Jew does on Shabbos, and the Jew has pleasure or benefit from what the non-Jew is doing on Shabbos, Shari is permissible. Why? The non-Jew is working for his own for his own sake. So now I'm going to skip ahead to the next simon, Sefei. We're going to go back to more of this. Could, could I ask a question? Yeah, on, sure. on, I mean, it seems that now going from a field to businesses and so so does this mean that you cannot own businesses that are run or, I mean, for example, <laughs> I mean, the, the issue becomes, you know, you have shares, right? You, you, earn, you own, you know, a percent of a company, right? And then suddenly you have to worry about whether they keep Shabbos or not. And yeah, that's a very good question. And it's a, it's a good question also, um, you know, so there's really two questions here. The first is if you own a company, just if you own a company outright, right? And you have a non-Jewish partner, just a partner. And we're going to get to that. That's going to be a later topic of Shutfas, uh, where you have a partnership with a non-Jew. Um, it's a little more complicated, but... In the case where shares are, just in general, shares are a little bit more complicated in the sense that shares, it really depends on, you know, Russia Feinstein feels that for a ordinary retail investor, even though, yes, you have shares, yes, you have voting rights, they don't constitute real ownership because you don't really have sway, meaning you don't really have enough shares to make a difference. So therefore, he kind of viewed it as not having real ownership. And this is much more pressing with regards to the laws of Pesach. Right, you know, owning a cup or you know, Basar Basar Bechalov is a bigger question, mm -hmm. right? Are you allowed to own shares in McDonald's if their profits are from cheeseburgers? But, but here it seems more that that the concern is that people will think that it's owned by Jews and 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 they're doing something wrong, right? I mean, it's like the New York Times is owned by Jews, right? And then, I mean, like this is the this is always the, what they say. <laughs> yeah, but but the thing is, like you know, it, it, it as well be. Yeah, yeah. certain businesses owned by Jews, right? And then and then you say, oh yeah, but they they're not you know, they're not observant. Um, no, so being owned by Jews, so so in the case where it's owned by Jews, and if it's a situation where, um, you know, people are hired to work by the hour, there are two problems. The first problem is this, right? That you know, if it's something, or you know, let's say you see, you know, there's a Jewish-owned 
grocery store and you see it open on Shabbos and people are working there and it's right. owned by a Jew, then that's a problem. That's a problem not even because of Marasite, it's a problem because the people are working by the hour there. So that's going to be an issue. And we're going to see later when we talk about the laws of partnership, what do Jews who own these 24-7 businesses do, mm -hmm. right? Or if you are a Jew, there's another question, if you're a Jew living in America and you have a business in Australia, right? So what do you do right. with regards to Shabbos there or time zones, whatever? We're going to get to all that and we'll get to the practical stuff a little bit later. But that, that is one problem. There's another problem that we're not addressing here yet, which we're going to have to address, is something called Schar Shabbos. Schar Shabbos is also that there's a, it's forbidden for a Jew to earn profit from work that was done on Shabbos. Hmm. And that's going to be another the case here? That's a very good question. So it's going to come up later. And and there's there's something called Havla'a or different permissible ways how it's okay. Okay, it's very relevant. It's like the Misa Shabbos is much more relevant than even Amir Lakam because Misa Shabbos is relevant to any shul, really, that has a children's program where they pay the counselors, right? Or, or kind of, you know, so that's going to be a very common problem. Yeah, but, but, then, but then we again have this problem with, you know, everybody's retirement portfolio is in in businesses that 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 earn profits on Shabbat, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So we're gonna have to we're gonna have to that's gonna be a very big topic of of mm -hmm. Shabbos. So we're gonna get there. Not my sorry, not my Shabbos of 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 Schar Shabbos. Shabbos or something else we saw. Of Schar Shabbos. So yes, that but that, that that's a good that's a good point. Okay. So I want to just read the next halacha. This is in Reish Bem Dalad Hey. It's a full simon later. Now he was, over here, I want to just show an important distinction between two cases. Over here, if you hire a non-Jew for a year or two, for him to be kind of the king's personal, the right example they bring is where noblemen used to have their personal scribe. Or if you hired someone who's your personal weaver to, to weave you a garment, I raise that koseva orig b'shabes, right? He, the, this non-Jew is is allowed to write or weave on Shabbos. Ki'ilu katzatz imay sheyichtav le'sefer. It's as if he agrees with him. He kind of made up with him that he writes him a book. Ay sheyarig le'beget shu oisa bechol e sheyirtsa. V'hu shalayachshiv imay yom yom v'layasa amalacha b'beis Yisrael b'yesh misa oisim b'seicha akam l'zman. So this case is where you hire a non-Jew to work, to do a certain specified work for you, to weave garments, to write for you, but he has the flexibility about what he's going to do. It Meaning he has to produce at the end of the year, or he has to produce on some deadlines, but he has the flexibility to, to do it, and you pay him. However, he is not allowed to do it he can't do it inside the Jew's house. Right, the yesh misha osher, but there are those that prohibit in the case where you hire a non-Jew for any specified amount of time. That's going to be an issue. Now, the problem over here is that why is there a problem doing it in the house of a Jew? First of all, second of all, why is does the second opinion say there's a problem to do it all together? This seems to be exactly analogous to the case of renting out your bathhouse, right? In the case where this is common practice, you hire the person now for, and he's not saying over here, it's not common practice, right? But you hire the person for the year. He has a special, you know, he is doing it for his own sake, right? So 
what does it have to do with you, right? He's the fact that he's choosing to go work on Shabbos. The Ramah adds another, another thing, which is very important and actually relevant these days. This is specifically if you hire him for a specific job. Only then is this permissible. If he's your ghostwriter, writing your incredibly interesting autobiography, right? Or, or you gave him a, um, a article of clothing uh, to weave. What if you hired yourself a personal assistant, an executive assistant, right? It's completely forbidden for him to do anything for you on Shabbos. Like we're going to clarify later at the end of Simon Reish Memzayin. Okay? So the Ramon makes a distinction. He says, the only time it's permissible to hire somebody for a specific amount of time is only if they have a certain discrete job that they're supposed to do. But if they're supposed to be available for any work you need, then you are in effect hiring them per day. And therefore, this is going to be a problem. And I want to just bring the Mr. Brewer over here that talks about one of the most common cases of this. So very often, right, people, maybe not us, but the one percenters, right, if you have a um, cleaning help, I wish I had it, but um, uh, what's it called? On Shabbos, right? So they have a full-time living, right? People have it. They have a living. And the living goes and she does work on cheese, cleaning and cooking and doing whatever needs to be done. So is she allowed to desecrate Shabbos? Look at the name of Shabbos. I look at the name of Shabbos. So the answer is no. They are not allowed to do any prohibited activity for you, right? Because they are hired to do all labor, meaning that you're living, there's a wide range of things they can do, right? Some people say this will also be true for a health aid, right? Which is very common, you have a health aid. So those things that are kind of necessary for a whole and all of the other things, fine. But if you have an aid who's doing things that are not necessary, right? Let's say she, you know, there's, she, she wants to make some food for, for the person, or she wants to, you know, turn on the lights and clean the bathroom now, right? That they can't do, because that's not considered to be tzarechola, right? It's not for the needs of the ill person, and this is something which they're doing uh, for you, and since they have a wide range of activities uh, that they're supposed to do, this could be a problem. Again, this is, uh, it's situational, right? It depends on, on the situation. However, the, one of the classical questions that comes up is, are they allowed to wash dishes with hot water on Shabbos? Okay? Because, you know, you have a, a lot of their dishes. Happens very, very, very often on, on Yom Tif, right? You have cleaning help that comes. They come on Yom Tif, right? And they want to now wash dishes on Yom Tif. Are they allowed to wash dishes with hot water and soap on Yom Tif using a non-Shabbos sponge, right? One of their favorite scrubber and not your Shabbos-friendly sponge that smiles at dirt but doesn't actually remove it. Now, the the question is, right, are they are they allowed to use it? So the halacha is, is that if it's something which they can do in a permissible way and they choose to do it in a forbidden way, then that's something which is permissible. Now, 
when it comes to hot water, some people say that's fine. As long as they're using hot water, they can they could wash the dishes with cold water, it's fine. When it comes to sponges, some people want to make a distinction, but a lot of posts can say that no, that as long as their Shava sponges are available, everything is available, and they can do it this way. If they choose to do it a different way, they're doing it for 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 themselves. So that gets rid of the problem, the actual problem, meaning the real problem. But how about the issue of Marsai? Now, the issue of Marsayin, as we're going to see, is not going to be a problem when they're inside your house because only people around you uh, could see and you can tell them what's going on. The case over here is that this is going to be something which they're going to be doing constantly, real malacha, people are not going to know, and therefore it's going, it's, it's, it's going to be an issue. So let's just see, let's just see further. Ayin Bataz. The Mevi Bishem Rabbeinu Simcha. So the Taz brings in the name of Rabbeinu Simcha. The Hu Aisala Shivcha Kilulasis Malacha Atzma the Beis Balas. She can't even do her own work, right? So the person has a living. She wants to do her own thing, right? She wants to, you know, go onto Facebook and complain about her particular owners, right? You tell her, Oh, it's Shabbos, you, you, you can't do it, right? I feel lost as well as after base bala. You can her husband in, in, in her master's house. And the problem is because of people who will see. Okay, so basically, my example is a bad example because no one's going to think she's posting on Facebook for her for her kind of boss, right? Maybe against her boss, but not for her boss. Now the the so but but it's talking about melacha that could be misunderstood to be for the. For the homeowner, and Yaliyaraba brings in the name of the Sefer Atruma, the Malachas Mutter, that that it's uh, permissible for her to do her own work. And his view is that Rabbeinu Simcha himself agrees with this, and you can look over there to see what he says. For the for the maidservant to go fix her own clothing, everybody agrees it's uh, permissible. is clear that she's doing her own work. Now, let me tell you where this comes up a lot, and I had this problem kind of a lot. So for, for a while, we had cleaning help. Uh, oh, I think you, uh, you also had her helmet, Angie. Right, and she was extremely conscientious worker, very, very good, very, very, you know, kind of very, you know, worked very methodically. And on uh, during winter Shabbosim, she could be there until 8 30, 9, right? And it became kind of you know, and she wanted to get all the work done that she wanted to get done. And there were times when I really had to stop her because she wanted to turn on the dishwasher, she wanted to. You know, um, you know, scrub and clean the 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 stovetop using certain things. So I had to stop her because there were certain things she wasn't allowed to do on Shabbos, and she became actually pretty uh, proficient in the laws of Shabbos. So I remember one time before she left, she told me, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, Shlomo, I know. So I can't. So this I'm allowed to do because there's a permissible way to do it, but I'm choosing to go do it in the in the in the forbidden way. But really, Rabbi, if it makes you happier, I'd rather do it in the permissible way." And I remember thinking to myself, like, I would really rather she does it in the forbidden way. 
this way the dishes will be cleaner. <laughs> but I didn't say that. She said, sure, Angie, go ahead, cold water, a nice little rag, go ahead, you know, do what you gotta do. But I'm a very holy woman. Um, she was actually a very holy woman, but a very special person. Okay. Um, so that's the Mishnah Baruch. Now, let's go back to the case of a field. So here there's, there's, a, there's a difficult Magen Avram. The Magen Avram writes that And here there's a, there's a, lot, of, a lot of controversy what he means. The Magen Avram seems to say the only time the case of the field is permissible is where you gave them a portion of the fruits. And now the question is, what does this mean? You gave them a portion of the fruits. What if you gave them a portion of the profits? Meaning you sold all the fruits, you sell all the fruits, and then you divvy up the profits. So there's a Nesif Chaim over here that wants to say that in such a case, meaning where you have profit that comes in one form, then you can either divide up the profit in that form and then, and then you know, that's it. Or you could kind of change the form, meaning you sell it, and then divide up the money, and the Sif Chaim says you can't divide up the money. Because over there, there's a problem with Meir sign that people won't know. People will think that he's just getting paid like a, like a regular laborer. However, the, um, the, the, uh, the Bribki Vega disagrees. And he says that that's not what the Magan Avram is trying to tell you. And he says, of course, in such a case, it's fine. That all the Magan Avram is trying to tell you is that as opposed to him being given a certain set payment, right? That that, that, that means to say that the, the portion of the non-Jew has to fluctuate with how profitable the field is. Because the idea is that there has to be a relationship between his work and his profit. So this way, when he puts in extra work, he's working for himself. As opposed to if he gets paid Soviet style, right? He's not motivated at all to get, to kind of work hard at all. I remember actually my 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 grandmother telling me that this was like during the later days of the Soviet Union, right in the in the seventies and eighties. Like there was no motivation to come to work. Like people would take two hour lunches, you know. People would walk. They were like the kind of political officers that tried to make sure everybody came on time, but like nobody cared. I was, she was like telling me like, yeah, it was very normal. You kind of you missed here, you missed there, you walked. Like there was absolutely no motivation at all to do anything. Um, okay, so 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 that's the bargain of Rome. Ube merchatz aser medina, and in a bathhouse it is forbidden. Liskar le laakum laavet by kolashana to hire a non-Jew to work the whole year. Bishiyito hayuhudi kol haravach mikolas shabbosos, and that the Jew will get all the profits from all the shabbosim. The ha hayuhudi marviach b'masha akum aisibishat. Right. So basically, right, you hire a non-Jew to set, you know. I pay you $1,000 for the year to go run my bathhouse, right? You have a, this is extremely common in kind of people who do real estate, right? You have a real estate, you own real estate and you hire a management company, right? Or, you know, people who own buildings, people who own things, they hire a management company and the management company gets paid a certain fixed rate for the, con- for the time of the contract, right? And the owners get all the profit. So the halacha is in such a case that Rabbi Bagan Avram says it's forbidden for these people to do any work on Shabbos, right? I, they're hired for the whole year. You didn't hire them and you're not paying them uh, specifically for Shabbos. Says the ha-ha-yuhudi marviach Shabbos. Oh, sorry, I spoke too quickly. We're going to see if this applies to a real estate management thing. 
Okay. For now, the case of a bathhouse, right, or a store, or some kind of thing that generates profit directly, meaning to say, you work, you get profit. Okay. As opposed to the case of a real estate management, we'll see the second is different. So, and you can't say that the non Jew is working for himself. Because if a non Jew chooses to take off a day on Shabbos, you'd start the Shabbos, you have to pay him the same. Right, that's the halacha we saw earlier. Right? So he's getting into, into, into the thing. Right? Then he says at the end, look over here in the bottom. Because if now the Ramah says a very, the Ramah says a very important uh, distinction. He says, in a case where if the non-Jew works on Shabbos, you'll profit on Shabbos, meaning you'll profit from extra work, then that's going to be a problem. But if there's a certain situation where the work is set, right? You own buildings. There's a certain amount of maintenance that has to happen. It can happen on Sunday. It can happen on Saturday. If it happens on Saturday, it doesn't have to happen on Sunday. If it happens on Sunday, it doesn't have to happen on Saturday. You don't gain anything extra from it being done on Shabbos. In such a case, it's fine. So therefore, a Jew is allowed to own a real estate, come kind of own real estate that has a non-Jewish management company that's contracted out for the year, and they can choose to make repairs or fix things on Shabbos, right? Because that work needs to be done regardless. And it doesn't make a difference if the guy does it on Shabbos or Sunday. Now, there's one question that came up when I was when I, when I was living in Muncie. I lived in a large apartment complex that was owned by a Jew, and it was I think it was it was managed by by non-Jews, but I'm not sure. I think they actually worked directly for him. And one of the things that they had was an emergency line, right? So your pipe bursts on Shabbos, your whatever it is, right? You have some kind of emergency, you can call the emergency line, the guy comes and fixes it. So I remember the guys were kind of talking about whether or not the, this, this would be a problem. So I, I said, my, my opinion was that it was a moot point because if you remember, right, as far as the owner is concerned, it doesn't make a difference. The emergency line is for us. He doesn't profit at all from it. And if we have a way to contact the guy or we can go over to his house and knock on his door, it's permissible because for us, it's a real outcome in a situation of a tremendous loss, which, you know, as long as you're not asking him to do anything which is biblically uh, uh, forbidden, it could be okay anyway. Okay, fine. Let, let, let's continue. So, Mishnah Brewer, the Mishnah Brewer, let's finish off the Mishnah Brewer. Rock Lashlish, Virak Bizesh, and Nice and Lane Yehudi Chalik Betvua, right? And you're over here, he's just kind of uh, uh, repeating the view of the Magan Avram. That the non-Jew has to have a portion of the profits. But if you hire the non-Jew to work there the whole year, and the Jew will just collect all the wheat. Right? Even, even if, even so, it's permissible because the non-Jew works for her for his own thing. 
because all the field work can be done on Sunday or on Shabbos. It's it's kind of the 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 non-Jewish choice. Is stringent and says it says in the case where people where I guess it wasn't common uh, uh, to do such a thing, it's going to be it's going to be a problem. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna stop here with this, and we're gonna go next week into the question the bigger question of partnerships with a non-Jew, and we're gonna start the issue of schar uh, Shabbos and Havla which is, you know, the kind of a slightly more pertinent question these days with regards to uh, kind of, you know, commercial websites, all these different things. And we're going to we're going to start that Sugya Emir Tosham next week. Uh, everybody, please stay healthy. And I hope to see you uh, next Monday.